0: Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Dr. Marin H. Cauliffe about the article, Impact of Sepsis Classification and Multidrug-Resistance Status on Outcome Among Patients Treated with Appropriate Therapy, published in the August 2015 issue of Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Cauliffe is Professor of Medicine in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine, at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. Thanks for being with us today, Marin.
1: Well, Thank you very much, Margaret. I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak with you.
0: What do we know about the importance of multidrug-resistant pathogens in outcomes from sepsis?
1: Well, I think the things that we do know are that, in general, patients with multidrug-resistant organisms tend to have worse clinical outcomes, and that's largely due to the fact that when initial empiric antibiotic therapy is administered, if it's not active against that organism, meaning that when you test the organism against the antibiotics using in vitro susceptibility methods, if the drug doesn't work against the bug, then those particular infections carry a higher risk of mortality. So that's really the main issue with drug resistance.
0: What about sepsis classification and outcomes?
1: Well, it's interesting because we've had this sepsis classification system for quite some time and various iterations of it. And in general, I think clinicians are well-versed in the idea that, you know, patients that have an obvious source of infection, we generally tend to classify them as being septic. If they have organ dysfunction, severe sepsis, if they develop shock requiring aggressive fluid resuscitation and vasopressors, we generally call that septic shock. And as you go along that continuum mortality increases. But what we really don't know is, you know, how much of it is related to the appropriateness of the therapy versus the virulence of the organism versus the severity of the patient's illness when they present. All of those factors are important, but actually teasing them out has been difficult, at least in the past.
0: So what led you to do this particular study?
1: Well, we were interested in doing the study uh, in part because we wanted to see if we could eliminate one of the variables uh, that I was referring to. Specifically, we wanted to look at a cohort of patients, all of whom received appropriate antibiotic treatment. And by eliminating that variable, we could try to look at organism characteristics as well as the sepsis classification to determine which of those factors really was most important in determining patient outcome.
0: What did you do in this study? How did you do it?
1: Well, basically, uh, you know, we uh, here in St. Louis, specifically at Barnes-Jewish Hospital and Washington University, have a very large medical center and, more importantly, a very robust informatics system and database. So we're able to go into our data and collect large numbers of patients. And so we wanted to study a group of patients. In this particular case, they were patients who had bacteremia with enterobacteriaceae, who all received appropriate initial antibiotic treatment, meaning that the initial antibiotics that were administered to those patients were active against those organisms based on in vitro susceptibility testing. What we then did was we looked at these patients to determine, using univariate and multivariate methods, which factors were associated with outcome. And so it was really a cohort study analyzing risk factors for mortality.
0: Why did you include only patients with enterobacteriaceae bacteremia?
1: Well, we did that for a couple of reasons. The most important one was we wanted to have a uniform type of organism, and that helps to eliminate some of the variables when you start looking at gram-positive versus gram-negative, yeast versus bacteria, non fermenters versus fermenters. So we wanted to have a uniform type of bacterial organisms that we could look at, and that's why we focused on the Enterobacteriaceae. We also wanted to have large numbers, uh, and we knew that we would have a robust number of patients to look at, and that would essentially eliminate the confounding effects of different types of bugs and allow us to really focus on the sepsis classification as well as The resistance pattern of the organism.
0: And having patients with bacteremia gave you a little more homogeneous population that you knew what their infection was.
1: Well, we knew that we would have a uh, homogeneous group of patients here. We actually were able to enroll 510 patients with enterobacteriaceae bacteremia who were either septic or had severe sepsis or septic shock. So it allowed us to study those patients very carefully and discern whether sepsis classification, and very importantly, MDR risk factors were predictors of outcome. And that's important because many times clinicians have thought that, well, a more resistant organism may be a more virulent organism, when in fact that may not be the case. And in fact, that was one of the things that we really wanted to get at. And in this particular study, we saw that just the fact that the organism was a multidrug-resistant pathogen did not associate it with a higher risk of mortality. What's important here is that all these patients got treated with a drug that was active against the organism. Our database here allows us to have fairly robust data on many patients. We typically know if they're colonized with drug-resistant organisms, so we often are able to hit them up front with drugs that will cover the bug. And so we were able to eliminate that particular issue of the appropriateness of therapy, And we were really able to demonstrate that, yes, severity of illness, meaning going from sepsis to severe sepsis to septic shock, increases risk of death. But that simply having an MDR bug versus a more susceptible bug does not increase risk of mortality. And so it really is more about the treatment for the organism. And so MDR status in and of itself does not appear to be a virulence factor.
0: Did you look at other outcomes besides mortality?
1: Yes, we looked at other outcomes, including lengths of stay. And not surprisingly, you know, if you look at that, the patients who had a higher sepsis classification also had longer lengths of stay. Many other investigators have shown that in the past. How
0: about time to appropriate antibiotic therapy?
1: We did look at that. And, you know, there's been this debate in the literature, I would say, regarding the timing of antibiotic treatment. And everyone does it a little differently. I mean, obviously, there are some well-known papers in the literature, like a non-Kumar's paper, where every hour that goes by, patients may sustain a higher risk of mortality. But, you know, all of these studies have certain weaknesses and certain strengths. One of the things that we also tried to do in this study was to look at the timing of antibiotic therapy and we really didn't find that earlier therapy resulted in improved outcomes now you know the limitation here is that we only looked at this for about the first 24 hours so and most of our patients got treated fairly early anyway so i don't think we can comment on the fact that you know if a patient got treated beyond 24 hours would their outcome be worse i think the answer to that is probably yes but When we're talking about early treatment within the first 6 to 12 hours, to me at least, it's not so clear about the timing of treatment and its relationship to outcome. I think in general, the sicker the population, the more severe the illness, that factor becomes more important, but for patients uh, who may just present with gram-negative bacteremia, this idea that they all need to receive treatment within the first hour That may not be particularly true, and that becomes important as we move into the future, particularly with rapid diagnostic methods, where it may take several hours to actually identify the organism and susceptibility patterns.
0: Why do you think multi-drug resistance was not associated with worse outcomes, which is kind of, as you said, what we all have thought for?
1: Well, the reason it wasn't in this particular study is that all of these patients and their organisms got the right antibiotic up front, meaning within the first 12 to 24 hours. So if the initial empiric therapy covers the organism, regardless of whether it's a pan-sensitive E. coli or it's a, you know, carbapenemase-producing Klebsiella, it doesn't seem to matter as long as the treatment is initiated up front. I think the problem in the past has been that You know, many times clinicians have difficulty in identifying that patient who has the MDR organism or the multidrug-resistant pseudomonas or the kpc Kleb, and getting that treatment started early, whereas typically what happens, it's 24, 48, 72 hours later when the susceptibilities come back and you say, oh, I treated them with the drug and it's not active against the bug. So in this particular case, because they all got treated relatively early. The MDR versus the more susceptible, the outcomes were similar With that in that regard. I do think that, you know, these rapid diagnostic methods in the future, and I can't tell you how far into the future that will be, whether it's a few years or more than a few years will allow us to direct our therapy in a more directed way, particularly when it comes to some of the tests that we'll be evaluating for blood culture positivity in a rapid manner.
0: Well, I think it is perhaps to some degree reassuring that drug resistance per se is not associated with increased virulence.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it it doesn't appear to be. There there have been other studies published in the literature over the last several years, uh, including a European study in CID, where they actually tried to look at that. And the way they did that in that particular study was that they actually looked at specific virulence factors within the organism and then looked at the appropriateness of the initial antibiotic therapy. And so, for example, when you have an organism like Pseudomonas that may be able to produce a type 3 secretion mechanism, which certainly is known to increase virulence and mortality, it seems that when you look at the virulence factors of the pathogens, they're more likely to determine early mortality, whereas the drug susceptibility part of it tends to determine later mortality. And that kind of makes sense. You know, If you're dealing with a very virulent bug, despite the antibiotics being administered, you may have a higher risk of dying early on. Generally, with the less virulent bugs, if you will, they're treated with the right antibiotic or they're not. Even if they receive an appropriate therapy, they don't seem to die right away. I mean, they often develop this picture of worsening organ failure. They're in the ICU for a while, and they tend to have a higher later mortality. So, I really do think there are differences between virulence and antibiotic susceptibility. That's not to mean that, you know, there are some pathogens out there that may be virulent and drug resistant. And so that would be the worst of all worlds. But in general, I think, you know, one can sort out those factors more and more. And in the future, we'll probably get even better about sorting out virulence from resistance.
0: What are the limitations of this study?
1: Well, I mean, the main limitations are that it was done at a single center, Obviously, you know, the way we practice in terms of our antibiotic therapy may be different than in some other settings, so that's a limiting factor. I think the other limiting factor is that we, as you mentioned earlier, only studied one specific type of organism, gram-negative bacteria, specifically Enterobacteriaceae. So I can't tell you if the same thing applies to Pseudomonas or maybe even fungal infection, I mean, those would have to be looked at separately, but I do think it suggests to us, the data suggests that when it comes to clinical outcomes, you know, if we can get the right antibiotics on board, then severity of illness seems to be the thing that dictates what the patient's outcome will be, and so that may have some bearing when it comes to designing clinical trials in the future as well particularly if there are any novel sepsis therapies that come along. And, in fact, there are some being looked at right now, such as anti-PD-1, which is essentially trying to look at boosting the host immune response. So it will be important to control for some of these variables in those clinical trials, particularly when it comes to the appropriateness of initial therapy and probably also the severity of sepsis in those studies.
0: This study, along with numerous others in the literature, Um, sort of emphasizes the importance of upfront appropriate antibiotic therapy. Do you have suggestions or guidance for the listeners in terms of how do you decide, how do you get the right antibiotic upfront virtually every time without using...
1: Sure. I think it's a... Well... You said every time. Well, that may be
0: unrealistic, but...
1: Yeah, right. And let me caution the listeners that I I think it's unrealistic to think that you can do that, and it's probably not a good thing because you really want to target your therapy based on the patient's risk profile. We know from studies that have been done, even if we use, you know, some of the characteristics that have been well studied, such as patients coming in from a nursing home, patients having a recent hospitalization where they received antibiotic therapy, patients on long-term dialysis, even if we look at those types of risk factors, we know that many of those patients will still be infected with more drug-susceptible pathogens. So I think what clinicians should do in a very careful way is evaluate the patient, try to determine what their risk is for being infected with a drug-resistant pathogen like methicillin-resistant staph aureus, or potentially a non fermenter like Pseudomonas, and then evaluate how sick they are, what their severity of illness is. If the patient's in septic shock, they've got multi-organ dysfunction, they may be more likely to consider a broader spectrum of initial treatment. On the other hand, if they're dealing with someone who's really not that ill, maybe comes in with a simple urinary tract infection, they may not be as uh, eager to use the very broad-spectrum agents in that setting. So it really should come down to, you know, what the patient looks like, and very importantly, what are the types of organisms that they typically see in their environment. I think too often clinicians just, uh, you know, use a shotgun approach using the broadest agents And unfortunately, that can just lead to more resistance, in part because many times clinicians are not willing to de-escalate the antibiotics even after getting culture results back and patients' response to therapy.
0: Right. I was just going to say it's also important once you know the sensitivity patterns to de-escalate if possible, but many times we don't do it.
1: Absolutely. I, th- I think that's a very common problem. And the thing that I hear from a lot of people as well, you know, the cultures are negative, patients getting better, and I don't want to stop uh-huh. antibiotics. Uh-huh. And I think in that setting, you know, you have to use your judgment. But, uh, you know, when I'm looking at the patients that I'm generally treating in the ICU... Uh, you know if i can 't find an organism like Staph aureus uh, anywhere it 's unlikely that they 're infected with it if they 're not growing out a very virulent organism, the cultures are negative. I usually uh, will treat them with maybe a seven day course at most with antibiotic therapy, trying to limit it to you know a gram negative drug that 's likely to cover the pathogens that they might be infected in so I think every clinician, you know, needs to sort of develop their pattern of how they're going to treat these patients, but they need to be willing to limit therapy in terms of duration and de-escalate, particularly when the cultures come back negative.
0: Do you have any further comments you'd like to make with regards to antibiotic treatment and severe sepsis and septic shock?
1: No, I I think that for a long time, uh, you know, we've been focused on trying to develop a magic bullet for treating patients with severe sepsis and septic shock, and certainly we need those types of treatments, but there are still many basic things that we can improve upon, at least for the future. I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, rapid diagnostics will help us in terms of identifying patients who are truly infected, and giving us a better idea in terms of what types of pathogens they're infected with and what kinds of antimicrobial therapies we should be using.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Maren.
1: Well, thank you. No, I uh, enjoyed it very much, Margaret. Thank you.
0: We have been talking today with Dr. Maren Cauliffe from Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri, about the article, Impact of Sepsis Classification and Multidrug Resistance Status on Outcome Among Patients Treated with Appropriate Therapy, published in the August 2015 issue of Critical Care Medicine. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website for more information. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker.
2: Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Speak with a customer service representative or visit www.sccm.org slash membership for more information. Margaret Parker, MD, MCCM, serves as an associate editor for the iCritical Care Podcasts. Dr. Parker is Professor of Pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the Director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook Children's Hospital. A former President of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.